Take your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter number 24. 2 Samuel chapter number 24. We want to dismiss a little early this morning so you have time to meet the ministry leader that, you're, uh, that you want to talk to. However, we do want to take a quick challenge here and understand how I can be most effective in these ministries uh, as I serve the Lord this semester. Verse 22, 2 Samuel chapter number 24, verse 22. And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. Verse 23, all these things did Aruna as a king given to the king. And Aruna said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. Verse 24, and the king said unto Aruna, nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Have you ever heard the phrase, there is no such thing as a free lunch? The phrase is used a lot of times to understand economics and understand even science and political uh, policy. However, the phrase comes from a common practice in the early 1900s of restaurants that would give you a free lunch if you would merely buy a drink. And saloons would often have this as a promotion for their business. Come in, buy a drink, and we will give you a free lunch. However, most of the time, the customers did not realize that when they bought that free lunch, the restaurant laced that lunch with salt and laced that lunch with everything that would make a person thirsty. And so whenever someone thought they were receiving a free lunch, they would get thirsty in that restaurant and they would have to buy more drinks. The phrase comes from that. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Everything that seems to be free will eventually cost something. In this passage, we find a defining moment in David's life and in the history of the nation of Israel, the purchase of Aruna's threshing floor. In 2 Chronicles, Aruna is described as Ornan, uh, the same person here that the Bible is describing. And this is incredibly significant for the nation of Israel. You see, it is in this spot or in the surrounding areas that Abraham sacrificed Isaac uh, many centuries before. And it is in this spot where the temple, Solomon's temple, would be built according to 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse number 1. You see, this location, Ornan's threshing floor, represented God's presence for the nation of Israel. And as David prepares to offer a sacrifice for God, Aruna offers to give David his threshing floor and even the oxen and the wood for the sacrifice at no cost. What a deal! I don't know if you are someone who is always looking for the next deal. I'm uh, interested in a show that's called Extreme Couponing. How many of you have ever seen that show? Crazy things that happen on Extreme Couponing. Uh, people with carts full of items that they really don't need. Uh, and sometimes at the end, the store owes them money because they know how to use 
the coupons. It's extremely impressive, especially since they now have 158 bottles of dishwasher detergent that they will never use. Now, I read of a lady named Siobhan who stockpiled $60,000 worth of goods in her home, built a separate pantry for all of this. Her biggest shopping trip on the show was getting $1,461 worth of goods and paying $21.23. And we are always looking for a deal. We are always looking for how we uh, can get something for free. However, there are no coupons for the presence of God on your life. Why would David reject such a deal? If we want to experience the presence of God, we cannot offer him what costs us nothing. And I hope as we heard these ministry leaders a moment ago share their burden and share these opportunities, I hope in your mind you weren't thinking, what's the easiest route I can take? How can I sign up for a ministry that is not going to cost me anything? How can I find the easiest road? The question for us this morning is, are not those questions. It should be, do we want to pay the price for God's presence in our lives as we serve him in ministry. Other than our salvation, which Christ paid for on the cross, you cannot get something for nothing. Very quickly, let's look at three price tags for God's presence. The first price tag I see, we won't take the time to read it in in verses one through four. God's presence costs me my pride. God's presence costs me my pride. Now, Dr. Gibbs challenged us the last few days about pride, so we're not going to belabor this point. However, we do need to understand the context of what is happening here. David is being tempted of Satan. Second uh, Chronicles 21.1 tells us that God allows Satan to stand up against Israel to tempt David, to provoke David, to number the people. And this was very significant. Even Joab, uh, a a man who was not godly at all, uh, corrects David and says, David, this is not a good idea. You should not number the soldiers in your army. You need to trust God for the victory. However, David did not listen. And finally, his census revealed 1.3 million powerful soldiers that he had access to for battle. However, it also revealed his prideful sin. And the prophet Gad comes to David and gives him an option. He says, David, you have sinned before God because of the pride that is in your heart. You have three choices. And these are some difficult choices. He says, you could, you could have seven years of famine in the land. You could have three months of fleeing from your enemies. Or you can take three days of pestilence in the land. Now, a lot of times we would automatically think, okay, I'm going to take the three days, all right? I don't want to have seven years. I don't want to have three months. I just want the three days. However, when David chooses this because he doesn't want to fall into the hands of man, he trusts God. He chooses this last option from morning until the afternoon, 70,000 men have died from this pestilence. And we're talking about a massive judgment that is hitting the children of Israel because of David's pride. David's pride cost the lives of 70,000 men. And I have to ask ourselves this morning, what does our pride cost us? 70,000 men 
had now perished because David wanted to count the people. And I wonder how many opportunities we miss to share the gospel. And I wonder how many opportunities we miss in ministry because of our pride and how many souls are on their way to hell because of our pride. We don't want to be embarrassed. We want to get out of our comfort zone. If you're going to serve God in ministry this semester, it will cost you your pride. You may have to come take time with a small neglected boy whose parents have never said, I love you. You may have to give someone a ride to church. You may have to get out of your comfort zone. But if we are going to have God's presence in our lives, we must sacrifice our pride. Number two, God's presence costs me my possessions. God's presence costs me my possessions. Verse number 24, we've already read it. Aruna says, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going, to, I'm going to let you have everything, king. And David says, no. If I'm serving God and it doesn't cost me anything, it's meaningless. David had a choice of receiving something free from the hands of Aruna, but he knew that to serve God, we must sacrifice our possessions. I fear that many of us who serve in ministry have our eyes on the American dream instead of eternal riches. I read an article from a well-known pastor and counselor. It was entitled, Spiritual Burnout, Chronic Anxiety, and the Stress of Making Your Life Count for God. And in this article, he did give some helpful truths on how to avoid burnout. However, I, I have to disagree with some of the things that he wrote in this blog he said, but he describes a Bible college setting where, where we are pressured and where we are encouraged to make something out of our lives for God, to, to serve God in a way that would glorify him in ministry. And then he says, but then on the other side of college, real life happened. Home ownership, marriage, health insurance, tax season, student loans, which thankfully you guys don't have, parenthood performance reviews. You try to justify your life decisions and circumstances, but deep down you still silently struggle with the shame that you've sold out your faith for comfort and security. He goes on to say, if the message of making your life count for God aren't balanced with a healthy side of grace or a reality check, you get another pagan religion seeking to appease God's wrath and earn his favor through sacrifice, ritual, and service. And we understand, as we'll see in a moment, we don't serve God because we want to earn his favor. That's already been given to us. But we need to be careful that we are not setting our sights on the American dream and setting our sights on things that God is not required to give to us. Last time I checked, Jesus still said in Matthew 6, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me encourage you, if you're gonna serve God and you're gonna have the presence of God on your life, you need to sacrifice your possessions. You're not gonna be able to have the nicest car or the nicest house, or you're not gonna be able to have some of those things when you go in ministry. And you need to understand that when we go into ministry and we seek the presence of God on our lives, you're gonna to have to sacrifice a few things. You're gonna to have to give up a few things. Remember the widow's might. 
Remember the ravens. Remember the lilies. God will provide our needs when we live sacrificially for him. But we should not have our eyes set on material gain. Number three, and we'll be done. God's presence costs me my prerogatives. My prerogatives. As king, David could have have taken the land. He had the right to. He could have received a gift. But David set aside his own rights, his own prerogatives, to experience God's presence. In ministry this semester, you may need to set some of your prerogatives aside. Well, I I signed up for 1045 to noon and not a minute more. I I don't understand that policy. That's a policy. That just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Why did my ministry leader have to correct me? If you are going to serve God, you must give up your rights. We serve God not for what he, not for what we can do for him, but for what he did for us. David was not sacrificing in 2 Samuel to appease God's wrath. God had already decided to stop the pestilence earlier. He was sacrificing for God so that he could have God's presence, so that he could thank God for what he had done for him. There's no such thing as a free lunch. David knew that what appears to cost nothing could cost everything. Living without God's presence is a much higher cost in the long run. Living with God's presence, yes, it costs me something, but the result is incredible. God's presence costs me my pride, my possessions, and my prerogatives. The very meaning of sacrifice does not allow room for that which costs me nothing.